1: This is Kimmy Culp, the host of All The Wiser. Today, we are bringing you a bonus episode. I like to think it is a two for one because we are about to introduce you to a podcast and person we love, how and why we started All The Wiser, how we find our guests, and what I have personally learned along the way. This episode is a time warp to when we were all in real deal lockdown last spring. And I was interviewed by Zach Robados. He is a very funny actor and comedian who has been in some of my favorite shows, including Secession and Friends from College. He also has a voice for radio and is the host of a new podcast called Podspotter. Zach chose all the wiser and in an interview with me for his second episode. It was one of the more fun and memorable Zoom conversations I had during that very dark time. I hope you will enjoy the conversation as much as I did and be equally charmed by Zach and his show. I will let him take it from here.
2: Surviving a 12-foot shark attack, getting blown up in Iraq, living through a deadly plane crash, escaping a cult, outrunning a blazing fire, getting run over by a 20-ton bus, and walking away from MS-13, your summer blockbuster podcast is here, ladies and gentlemen, real people, real stories of survival. This might just be the very best damn podcast that you're not listening to, Kimmy Culp, has 20-plus years of broadcast experience that includes work as a producer for NBC, ABC, and The Oprah Winfrey Show. She's a mother, an author, a film producer. But today, she joins me to discuss All the Wiser, the podcast that brings you the most insane stories of people's darkest days, the realities of living through adversity, and lessons on life, loss, and love, Thank you, Kimmy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this wonderful podcast with us. It has been a true pleasure to binge. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful, and I'm going to hire you to um, do my promo at the top because man, was that succinct! Way better than my elevator pitch. You can just hang out in elevators with me when they're a thing again. And that's a
2: win. This, this interview is over. I got a compliment from Kimmy. Uh, we're done here. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's a wrap. So I introduced you well, because that is typically your first question on your podcast. How would you introduce yourself?
1: First and foremost, I'm a human being, and I'm a, um, a wife and a mother and a friend. Yeah. I'm somebody who is innately curious about the world. Uh, I'm a flawed human being, yeah. and uh, I'm a deep thinker and occasionally funny. Um, so yeah, and I, and I love telling stories and finding stories about other people and sharing them, which is what led me to All the Wiser and talking to you today.
2: All the Wiser is often funny. I think that was one of the biggest surprises I had coming out of it. My wife and I have just been binging it and loving it and just laughing uh, a lot through some of the darkness, which seems to be important an important modality of survival and overcoming adversity. And I think that's what I really want to focus our time today on is that uh, those modalities, the, the wisdom part of what you learned uh, over the course of working on this podcast. But I do want to start at the beginning of the pod, at least, and how it came to be, if we can go back a year to when we were all younger and (laughs) less trapped.
1: (laughs) All the Wiser came to me during a rare period of quiet. Mm. I produced a film and traveled the world with a film festival, was very exhausted and sleep-deprived and Uh, a little bit bloated and overweight. And I just said, I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to sit, I'm going to be present, I'm going to be available to myself and my kids. And instead of just jumping for the next thing, I'm going to wait to see what that next thing should be. And throughout the next and first 18 months of not working and just being, I really fell in love with podcasts. And what I realized is that I had traveled um, the world as a journalist and producer interviewing people, but that my voice had in fact never been a part of that narrative. It was always edited out and shipped off um, to an anchor who would, you know, um, wrap around the footage, if you will, in New York or a film where the um, producers and filmmakers or behind the camera, so you don't hear our voices. And I thought, well, what if I could capture the conversation in its entirety and have some ownership um, and agency? Because you can have these really... um, to what feels like special and personal connections, and then have them chopped up in a million pieces and have people throw sensational music over it, you know, for television.
2: Was it a pretty seamless transition for you? When you work in
1: television and film, you have a budget for an audio engineer, you know, you got the sound engineer and DP. I had no idea how to run any of this equipment I'm now wearing. Um, so yeah, very little barriers of entry. Anyone can start a podcast, but um, learning um, the technical piece of it, um, you know now i 'm starting to really think more deeply about my voice and training my voice and so listeners can have a richer experience that 's still kind of true. To uh, to me. So yeah, it was about finding my voice. It was about finally getting the courage to say my voice is worth sharing, which took a long time. But at 43, I thought, okay, well, I, I won't let fear stop me from that. And I, I will include my voice and I'll find stories that I believe are have real value in sharing. And, and um, our stories are definitely dramatic and entertaining in nature, but the most important piece of the stories is really the end takeaway and how people can be Shaped and transformed through incredible adversity um, and when they come out the other end with really um, I would say an evolved uh, understanding of the world and themselves
3: yeah.
1: and the goal is that there's some um, it, that it can be cathartic for both the interviewee or storyteller if, if you want to call it that and and the people who are connecting. That was really the intention. And then I've always been obsessed with like Tom Shoes and Warby Parker and all these hipster <laughs> companies who figure out like how to do their work, but like also make a good dent in the world. Um, so we were lucky enough to partner with the foundation and say like, okay, well, let's play with that in the this, in this story space. Like let, let's meet at the intersection of story and cause. And so, yeah, and we started All the Wiser.
2: How do you receive uh, submissions then for All the Wiser? Or How do you hear about stories? How do you choose which stories to uh, to uh, produce?
1: It's an influx. I mean, it's using that um, training as a journalist, which is research, research, research. So mm. a lot of times, I think of something like I'm like I'm fascinated about um, opioid addiction and what and what what does that really look like? Or I'm really fascinated about um, mental mental health wards? What is, you know, there's a, there's a huge history in our country mm. there. Yeah. Um, Or so sometimes it's driven by that. And then you go into research mode, like you would, if you were a documentary filmmaker and you wanted to, you'd start looking for stories and people. Sometimes it's through guests. Sometimes it's through friends of friends.
2: Nice. And for all the wiser, uh, was the original working title, I Dare You Not to Cry? Or was it always...
1: Zach, I like to call them stories of weight.
2: (laughs) Weight, stories of weight you're looking for. So weight, you're looking for change, you're looking for originality and you're looking for topics of interest to you, topics that you'd like to explore and and share.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, a lot of them have themes that go beyond what would be the obvious subject matter. You know, my friend Michelle, whose husband has ALS and can't speak and I mean, it's very Complex story, but Michelle's story is about what it means to be a caretaker. And and Gleason, Gleason, yeah. What what it can, and so um, a lot of people can relate to caretaking, whether that's kids or elderly parents. Or so um, so so yeah. The stories there. I'm glad you say you laugh because I think that's important, and I think that most of our guests levity is is a part of their journey and their coping mechanism and what has helped them get through their suffering or collective suffering? Um, and so while our stories are of weight and they parts of it feel you know really heavy and high stakes, I think a lot of them are have a lot of funny moments, and I think ultimately, they are hopeful, but most importantly, they're real. I mean, and I, so I think the weight thing, it's just like, you go to a dinner party, you sit next to the person. How are you? Oh, everything's good. Da da, 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 da. The kids are going to X, Y, Z. And then it's like, if it, if we all said how we really were like, you know, like, it's, shit would get real. And so I'm interested in having those conversations about what's really going on in people's lives and um, and how that we can share to connect more, support each other more, learn about different perspectives. So I would say they're weighty and they're real.
2: One of the first moments um, and that made me laugh out loud, Gleason was probably the first thing I listened to just because there's such a big footprint about Gleason, given that you, you produced a film, been nominated for an Academy Award, and so it was one of the first ones I listened to and uh, one of the first times I I laughed out loud was just at his sense of humor right off the bat he starts with a joke about your name and uh, we'll just play a quick clip Uh, this is from Gleason First off, I want to thank you for taking the time to interview me I will try not to stutter I also love, love, love how I say Kimi Kimi, Kimi, Kimi
1: Kimi, Kimi, Kimi Yeah. Speaking of somebody who can, um, you know, in spite of not being able to speak, typing with his eyes, um, you know, consistently make the whole room laugh out loud. So yeah, that's just a glimpse.
2: Yeah. I think in order just to have an open, honest conversation about the impact that your podcast has had on me personally, I think I should just share with you my sort of uh, break glass in case of emergency moment that I'm living through right now personally uh, with my wife who was recently uh, diagnosed with cancer a few months ago. And while uh, we are very much in our infancy with our journey, uh, I'm, I'm not really able to like, I can't talk about it the way that your guests talk about it with any great distance or, or, or perspective. I can just offer to share that um, it. It it is an extremely important uh, podcast and the modalities of healing and recovery that you share are uh, significant. And there's something in it for everybody that is not only dealing with something personally, but also, you know, just might know somebody dealing with adversity, might know somebody going through their their darkest time. Um, And so I just kind of want to start with some clips of... Those modalities and maybe have you reflect on some of them that that you've learned from people struggling with adversity. And the first one that I really was struck by was um, meditation. And uh, let's hear what Victoria has to say about meditation.
3: Yeah, I um, pretty early on started developing seizures and it got to a point at its height, they were every two to five minutes around the clock. And so uh, a seizure feels like you're being struck by lightning. And so for a year and a half straight, I was pretty much being electrocuted for close to 20 hours a day, which is kind of a form of torture, if you will. And so um, that's actually how I learned how to meditate and how I learned how to kind of put myself elsewhere because the pain was just pretty unbearable and I needed, I needed a coping method to, to go with it. And, and no one knew that I was in there. So people didn't realize that I was feeling every single shock going through my body and they, they couldn't get it under control for a whole year and a half. But that was just another example of my body was just in this like fight mode and there was severe inflammation in my spinal cord and in my brain. So it was just like a thunderstorm.
2: If that isn't the best commercial for meditation, I don't know what is. She's trapped inside herself and she's experiencing seizures and the only sort of respite she has it's these moments of meditation.
1: Well, um, Zach, first of all, I want to go back and um, thank you for your trust and sharing with me about your wife. And um, I will be thinking of you both and praying for you both. And um, and and thank you for also sharing that um, our guests uh, are offering some comfort and reprieve. So thank you for sharing that.
2: Of course, I mean you—you um, you have put yourself in your own podcast. As well, you you're very open and honest. You spend an entire episode uh, dealing with mental health, and so it felt disingenuous to come to you and talk to you about your podcast and not at least offer that uh, that same honesty.
1: Well, thank you, Victoria, who had locked-in syndrome, who was in a coma, and um, her her uh, the world around her was not aware that she was awake, although her family rightfully and deeply believe she was Yeah. Yeah, so the meditation piece and this goes back to um i don't know if you and your wife have had a chance to listen to maya moyles of course interesting point that most of our guests um are on the other end of something so they're looking back um you know it's it's Uh, A disservice and a misnomer to say that anybody comes out of anything and you wrap it up in a beautiful red bow and, oh, I learned so much and now I'm evolved and life moves forward. You know, these things stay with us and they're a piece of us and a part of us. But there is this whole notion of post-traumatic growth that you can go through these things. Um and come out, um, with, with new wisdom and new gifts and new perspective. And you've been through something hard, which can ultimately be of service when you share it with others. And Maya was, um, you know, diagnosed with stage four cancer at the age of 27
4: Mm.
1: and is still in the thick of it. And she said, I don't know that I can do this, Kimmy, because I'm not on the other end of anything. I'm in the thick of it. Mm. And, um, and I said, Maya, you still have a lot to teach us. And, um, Maya talks a lot about meditation. And then our another guest, Damian Eccles, who was in solitary confinement from being wrongfully confused. All three of those people in incredibly stressful situations all turn to and cite meditation as a modality that um, saved their lives in a sense in different ways. So I do think the ability to... um, I guess use that as the most beautiful, healthy coping me- mechanism that exists. Um, the fact that it's been, you know, practiced around the world, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, for um, you know <clears throat> gazillions of years at this point, point. Um, and that um, I think that the level of um, calm and presence, um, so you can show up for these things that are really hard. So, so the act of meditation itself, but more importantly. The ripple effect that it has, um, you know, well beyond the the actual, you know, time of practice.
2: Maya also had that imagery of the of the ocean, which we identified yes. with, and the waves mm-hmm. of, of 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 her journey and her battle, you know, just getting her mind right for the next wave that's coming, and respecting the ocean, and respecting that, um, you know, you're you're sitting in a time of tumult sometimes, and then then there's the calm, and then another wave crashes, and you sort of just have to. Uh, have your mindset in the right place to survive the unpredictability of the ocean. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful stuff.
1: I've been in the OR twice. I've had 15 rounds of chemo and I've been in ERs countless times with complications over the past 15 months. So it's been a roller coaster. I think most people who see me don't even think I'm sick and I can managed to live a very normal life. But then every time I'm kind of feeling like I calibrate back to normal, something weird will happen and I'll have another complication. So it's a very humbling journey. I feel like it's kind of like learning to surf. And every time you think you've got it or don't have enough respect for the ocean, it will smack you with another wave. So just learning to ride all of that.
2: I just feel like this is such a gift having you here and I have you trapped in the Zoom and I have so much to learn from you, an expert on, you know, uh, overcoming adversity that I just want to mine you for all of these little uh, modality nuggets that you can share.
1: Thank you, Zach. I think people matter most. There isn't one single interview where people didn't talk about the relationships in their life. Um, it wasn't always their parents. A lot of times it was a lot of people, you know, referenced, um, you know, their mothers. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately in, in the end, you know, how we love and how we were loved is how, you know, is is what our time here is about. Um, so I think those relationships and, and to the point, you know, where you're in this journey with, with your wife, kind of how it like all of a sudden what matters most comes in to, to play, right? Sure. So a lot of these people, um, you know, some had, you know, really big careers that, you know, kind of came with, you know, in hindsight, a big ego. And they came back and were like, everything changed, right? No, no, no. Like, why am I actually doing this? You know, what is it, what does this work mean? How do my employees feel when they show up for the world? Do I have time to you know, call my, you know, do I have time to meet somebody who, so I think, um, relationships matter most, um, surrounding yourself with the people who love and support you unconditionally, you know, matters the most. And that, that, that is a a theme that has not been missed from one single interview. Aaron Stark was, you know, a day away from being a school shooter. He had a family. I mean, it's, you know, talk about neglect and abuse and just awful. And, you know, he says kind of the thing that saved him was this one kid at school who found out it was his birthday and invited him over and he walks in and there's a birthday cake and people acknowledging that that he matters. Right. You know, like that ultimately act of kindness potentially saved Thirty people and this one less mass school shooting. So it all comes back to to people, you know.
2: I want to hear uh, a little bit from Matt Paulson on this topic of staying connected and staying with people and the people around you helping you survive. This is Matt Paulson who had flatlined far longer than any human should. And statistically, was given zero percent chance to live. The clip is a little long, but I think it's probably the most incredible uh, from your entire podcast. Just about the importance of staying connected and the people around you helping you through these dark times. Let's listen to Matt. If you've ever
5: been scuba diving or snorkeling or watched a you know an underwater movie, and, and you're deep underwater and you're looking up at the surface of the ocean, and you can see just a little bit of light coming through, it was like that. But the light felt like just impossibly far away like a universe of time away and the water was this like cosmic energy water where like they talk about in buddhism where you you know you you're both a drop in the ocean and the entire ocean or when you become nothing you become everything it was like that i was myself like not in my body but i was myself but i also felt connected to everything else and i could hear my mom Saying Matthew David Paulson, you got to fight. You got to fight. These people are fighting to save your life. And I could hear that. And I remember thinking like, wow, I've got a long way to go. You know, but I just, I just remember fighting with my spirit and, and also feeling that the energy around me was collaborating with me, that the people that were right outside the room sending in the energy, my friends knew about what was going on. So they were holding, prayer circles, my girlfriend, us family had prayer circles going in Argentina. And I just believe the collection of those intentions, like some, like I could, I could feel it. And I remember just fighting and fighting and fighting and just like, it felt like an infinitely long journey. And then I remember the moment of just like bursting back into the world and feeling that feeling of like, oh my gosh, the journey I'm here. I'm back and looking at my mom and looking at my dad. And then there's just like this moment of pure joy where I felt connected to everything in the world all at once. That clip kind
2: of takes my breath away. I'm sorry.
1: He's like a poet. I mean.
2: <laughs> so beautiful. Oh my he god! He's a poet. The connections that he felt while he was in that sunken place brought him back. It's wild to think about. Yeah, And that's somebody who was, you know, that he was on the other side. Yeah, It's yeah. an incredible piece of audio that you have there. And I got to just say, you know, from our own experience here, from the time we received our diagnosis, just very isolating. You know, we we're in the time of COVID, getting this news, it's breast cancer. It's inflammatory breast cancer. It's metastatic inflammatory breast right. cancer. It's triple negative, just that sort of avalanche of bad. And, you know, you have to live with that for a little while. And then it was our decision to, you know, uh, speak about it publicly. You know, post on Facebook. And the minute, the, the the minute she hit send on her post, and the minute we started to feel that connection from the people around us, you know, that for me is when it felt like the healing truly began. That for me is when we were like, okay, we're not alone in this thing, you know, and 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 we got a chance. We we, we got a shot. Um, and just hearing Matt's story brought all of that just really solidified that modality of just not isolating yourself in whatever you're going through, not closing off the world. You have another, uh, one of your guests that talks about, um, God, the way forward is through. Yeah. You know, the way forward is through. That was his mantra. That's the same guy. Is that right? The potential school shooter who almost was a school shooter. And the way of dealing with it was the way forward is through the thing, you know, talk about the thing, be open about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Along those lines of the way being forwarded through is another modality that I that I discovered. Another common thread of speaking one's shame.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Can you talk about speaking your shame?
1: Yeah. So I did. You referenced it earlier. I have bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed at the age of eighteen. Um, I hit it until last summer when I um, flipped the microphone and I had a, a friend interview me about living with bipolar disorder and the reasons that I hit it for, for so long. So the reasons I hit it are, you know, it's so interesting you asking me because I was, what I always say is I was ashamed of being mentally ill and I still am. I don't know if com- with complete truthfulness, I can say any longer that I still am because I think saying it out loud over and over again and being open, a lot of that is gone. Um, but for many years I was ashamed. I thought it was dirty. What does that say Mm. about me? I'm mentally ill. I'm broken. Um, oh, I have this glossy life on the outside, but if people really knew, um, And, you know, bipolar disorder, at times it feels like a jolt of adrenaline and largely how it manifested in me was, um, you know, I didn't need very much sleep. I had a loss of appetite. I had really big ideas and creative thinking. I was go, go, go. Uh, oddly all things that are rewarded in society especially in television and film everyone's like oh you look great you've lost 10 pounds you're crushing it have you how many places have you flown to <laughs> great ideas <laughs> and i'm like thanks like i'm going fucking crazy um and so it's weird because there's it, there's um the the there's a excitement a confidence a creativity that's rewarded and also feels kind of good if that makes sense sure but on the other end of that is the crash, which is very dark and painful and scary and lonely, and a lot of you know what you people know as depression—you know, crying and withdrawing. Um, so I've been really lucky to have um, people in my life from very early on that helped me manage it, and great doctors with medication, and learning lots of things about just being self-aware when. Oh, I feel like I'm talking fast, and i've been been I've been waking up with you know all these brainstorming ideas at four in the morning, so I understand the chemistry of my brain and how that shows up in the world and um you can take medications and slow down or you know even like just change diet things like okay, I'm cutting out caffeine and sugar and alcohol for a month. Something's going on with me, you know mm. um, so, yeah, it was something that I decided. It felt disingenuous. I was asking a lot of people to talk about really hard things, some that are deeply personal. And I have my own deeply personal thing that to me at times has 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 been my private suffering. Mm. So I th- Thought that I would meet my guests where they were, which is brave enough to talk about hard things and stand in their truth.
2: What were some of the, um, what's some of the feedback or what have you heard from people or from fans of the pod since going public in a, uh, episode 10 for anybody just jumping into all the wiser and want a good place to start? Kimmy's episode is episode 10.
1: I kid you not. I mean, before COVID, when you like could communicate at a grocery store, literally one guy who's... I, Uh, we know each other pleasantry. He's like, (laughs) and he stops me and he just said, I was looking for your email last night. I just want to thank you. And like, and he's just said, you know, I I was living in New York in my thirties and, um, you know, I would come home every night, um, and cry for hours at points. I was suicidal.
6: Mm.
1: Um, I mean, and just like literally like,
6: Right in there the in Trader, Trader
2: Joe's, past. just unloaded. Yeah.
1: Just fully unloaded. And yeah. so now the connection I have with him compared to the 10 years that I would see him in town once a month is that's a completely different human connection. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no comparison, right? And yeah. the respect that we both have for one and each other, not based on my perception of his outer shell, now understanding what a beautiful complex real human being he is um and the same like friends reaching out saying well we haven't told anyone but you know my daughter's been pulling out all of her hair you know and she's we're thinking about our patient treatment would you you know talk to her that wasn't my reality but you know I want to show her that you can come out of these things and um so my shame led me to hide, which was meant being quiet. And at times being, I'm not going to call myself fake, but faking that everything was perfect. And what that actually did was robbed me of the ability to be of service to others. Mm -hmm. So that mom didn't know that she had somebody two blocks away that she could call that, you know, businessman in the suit didn't know That he saw somebody in the grocery store who could, he could say that happened to me too. And it makes me feel better to know. So, my letting go of the fear and my own like selfish belief that, like, oh, everyone's going to think about me. Well, first of all, no one's going to think about me because everyone's worried about themselves, not me or my mental health. Um, And so it, it opened connectedness, it opened new relationships, it opened respect, and it opened and it liberated me to just being like, you know, yeah, like this is, this is part of who I am and warts and all. And I've learned to, you know, I, I said I learned to live with it. I learned to dance with it, to wrestle with it, all of the above.
2: Let's listen to a clip from episode 10 when Kimmy first uh, spoke her shame to, is it Graham? Am I remembering that correctly? That's my husband, yeah. Let's listen to Kimmy.
1: But you have shared this with some other people in the past, carefully chosen. And what has been the experience of that? The best one was with Graham. I think it was about a year in and I was terrified. And I remember being really nervous and like my hands were shaking. I was crying and I thought, well, he knows I'm mentally ill. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll go away. And so I tell him and I work up the court. (laughs) And his answer was, you're way less crazy than my last
2: girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so that's reassuring
2: we love Graham that's so cute but that's right like the minute you know you talk about the name a thing and you, you you talk about it publicly you do find that everybody kind of comes out of the woodwork and they're like hey I have this I also have this it's not the same but that's the thing we constantly hear it's not the same but and it's like there's no real use in comparison, uh, making comparisons between your suffering and mine. We're all going through something, and we all can learn from each other in some way. I generally feel like whatever you're bringing to me, I want, <laughs> I can learn something from it. If you, you've either been through some shit or you haven't, is what it seems. And if you have, I, I'll take it. I'll take whatever you can bring, because.
1: I think, Zach, exactly, that's so important that you say that because some people have said to me like, oh, well, I listened and now I realize, you know, somebody's story who's um, something that that feels really extreme, you know, and often because it is. But like, I realized I shouldn't be upset about XYZ or, you know, I'm not going to take this for granted. And, and I always say that I don't think that's the point to you. Exactly what you said. Suffering is a shared human experience. So regardless of what you're suffering it is, it's real. I think this idea that, well, I shouldn't, you know, be feeling this way because in comparison isn't, isn't how we're all going to collectively support one another and, and, you know, showing up in the best ways that we can for one another.
2: Maybe, maybe the smartest thing I heard probably came from one of your youngest guests. And that was a little something that I heard from Trey, uh, who was part of your A Little Wiser series Mm -hmm. in addition to the larger sort of big form podcasts. You started these Little Wiser, smaller podcasts and you interviewed Trey and uh, he has his own podcast and he talked about being thankful. Let's listen to Trey talking about being thankful.
3: My greatest takeaway
1: is be thankful for who you have to help you. I would be in a much different situation than now if I had no one to
2: help me. So always be thankful for who you have to help. It's simple, but so freaking profound and so stinking wise. And something that like me is like a dumb guy, you know, hearing about the situation that I was going to be embarking upon, like my initial response is like, hunker down, how do I do this? How do I, you know, got to get the diet right, got to get the thing, got to do all the things. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's let's stop and be thankful that my wife has acquired all of these beautiful people in our lives to help us. And if they want to set up a meal train, take the meal train. If they want to, you know, send candles, take the candles, take it all. And just be thankful for the people that you have around you. So, so, so important. And I'm so thankful for Trey uh, for underlining that. And Trey links to another guest, Matt Long, on your show. And this might be a good time to talk about the one for one nature of your podcast because all the wiser uh, is in addition to helping people with empathy and perspective. uh, They also have a bit of a, 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 of a, of a giving back component to it. Can you talk about the one for one of uh, all the wiser?
1: Yeah. The idea was, you know, 50 episodes We said, stood up in a backyard, you know, say the statement in front of people, then you've got to be held accountable. (laughs) We said the goal is 50 inspiring stories, $100,000 given away to charities around the world. And that for each story, um, that individual could um, pay it forward, not only share their story and their gift with the listeners, um, but be able to make a contribution to a charity they believe in.
2: Well, I mentioned uh, Matt Long, who helped set up Trey uh, with his storytelling uh, through his foundation. And so it might be a good time to mention uh, Matt Long's modality and what I learned from Matt in terms of um, just setting goals. That seems to be another big one that we hear a lot. Set a goal. Let's hear, Matt.
4: And my whole outlook on life had changed. How had it changed? You know, quite frankly, I'd stopped dreaming. You know, even though I dreamed when I was a kid to play basketball, I realized that when I'm happiest, I'm dreaming of the next best thing. Whether it's an athletic event, whether it's a challenge, whether it's my, my um, social life, whether it's getting married, to have kids, I was always dreaming about that next best thing and, and, and striving to, to make that happen. And that made me happy. After September 11th, I had stopped looking forward to the future. Like, time had stopped. And I became depressed. I became a little more grouchy, short with people. Um, got overweight. Was like I said, wasn't even happy going to work anymore. And I needed that to change. We ran up against this
2: with our own diagnosis. I was like, it was right. We've received the news right around the time we were starting this podcast. And I was like, well, the pod's done. I'm not doing that. I can't. I can't be focusing on other things. And my wife was just like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, I need to, you know, be more attentive to you toward new new child. And she's like, no, 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 no. We don't, it doesn't stop. Nothing stops. We're not stopping anything. You still want to do this. You're passionate about it. You know, we we have to keep living our lives. We have to keep going. We have to keep hoping. We have to keep doing. Otherwise, like, then it just wins. Then the thing wins. Whatever the thing is defeats you there on the spot if you stop. And I just really heard that when, when you know, Matt talks about the next thing always kind of propelling him forward. I feel like throughout my life, even, you know, pre-cancer diagnosis, it, it's been generally hope of another thing coming that has kept me motivated and kept me going. Yeah. Is that fair?
1: It's totally fair. And um, your wife sounds incredible. And the fact that she had that insight and that... Um, you know that insight and that gift to you, and it and, and to me that feels very, very right. I get that, so I'm glad that that she inspired you to do that.
2: She's the stronger of the two, for sure.
1: You know, I think I I do think it goes back to um, like is Aaron like is, is it Aaron talking about you know the only way
2: forward is, is through the,
1: the only way forward mm-hmm. is through it. I th- I think that's very much. The case is that there is no, you know, there is no growth. There is, you you have to sit in it. It
2: Let's hear that. Let's hear that clip of acknowledgement. This is Aaron's modality of acknowledgement of the
4: thing. The biggest step that I personally took was acknowledgement, where I went through the people that hurt me over the years and confronted them, not in an accusatory way, not to say that you did this so you need to pay, Or you did this and you hurt me, so you need to to suffer. But just to acknowledge, be like, I know this is what happened. This is the reality that I'm living in. And our relationship is fundamentally altered forever because of it. And that process for myself was so cathartic. And so it allowed me to release so many of those demons that it, it, it made me believe in one of my core personal philosophies, which is the way out is through. The, the the best way to get through something is to just get through it. And sometimes it's going to hurt a lot to go, to go through it, but it's much better to go through it than go around it.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> love awesome.
4: that. Pretty awesome. And,
1: and I do think there was a consistent method or a message of, um, it's like acknowledging it, sitting in it, allowing it to be what it is. You know, like you said, allowing, letting in the support and the love, Um, But there was never really like a, nobody had this song, at moments, why me? But, But they never let the victimization narrative drive the bus for very long. At some point, it wasn't about that you know
2: don't, don't become your thing don't become your disease that they, yes, they don't love them and 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 that's really why i kind of want to tackle your pod like this i don't i didn't want to sort of be reductive and just reduce them to their uh their moment of tragedy because really day, the pod yeah. is the wisdom yeah. that they glean yes. the Thank 45 you. minutes is the conversation that's the beauty so i could have sat here and played clips of you know um someone punching a shark and someone jumping on you know and it just seemed disingenuous yeah. um that this is the meat of it, this is the heart of it, and you get you get some some real just uh, profound ideas of overcoming adversity that I haven't heard articulated anywhere else. And that's another great one uh, from Aaron Stark, not the guy who almost uh, was a school shooter, as I referred to him earlier. I apologize for talking about them like their worst days. I meant to just <laughs> try to remember everyone's name. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's take a quick break here. Uh, we'll be right back. We're here to fill the role of looking for great content for you. If you like the show, please check us out and subscribe. Visit thepodspotter.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the PodSpotter. We might be on TikTok. I'm not sure. Uh, it's all out there for lots of good stuff. But please, please leave a review. Uh, subscribe, rate judge us on Apple Podcasts and help spread the word. We release every Monday with a uh, a great new review of a wonderful new podcast, and we're just going to keep plowing ahead. Whether you're here or not, it's going to be happening. So please be here. So I'm not just talking alone. And if you have suggestions for pods to feature, drop us a note on any of those social media platforms or the Podspotter.com. Thanks, everybody. I do, I have invented a term, I think though, with binging this pod, I had to do a, a bit of a, uh, a pod palette cleanser in between each one. I'd have to like okay. do a Kimmy and then do a pod palette cleanser and go to like to something just dumb fluff. Do you have any of those? Do you have any just like dumb, stu- or can you generally just live in this, the weight all the time? <laughs> What's oh, your pod gosh. palette cleanser these days? Pod
1: palette cleanser. Oh, that's such a good one. I mean, you know what was so good back in the day was the Richard Simmons one. What's it called?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm searching for, uh, was it searching for Richard Simmons for finding Thank Richard you. Simmons? Thank
1: yeah. you. Yeah. So finding, I, I should have the name. And it
2: turned out he was just like, hey, peace. I was here all along. Everything's fine. But it was, <laughs> like, so,
1: good. was so good. It was so good. good. Right? It was very, good. right? It was very
2: good. Is this fun for you? Is this yeah, absolutely. Do you doing this? Do you, yeah. Do you okay. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. I've identified a few more and then I'll let you go. Okay. Don't live in fear, says David Bird in episode 13. Let's listen to David's perspective about just continue to live.
6: I'm a numbers guy. And so when I had these couple of months uh, of not doing anything in the apartment, I was doing a lot of research on what the probability of a shark attack was. And I concluded that if I was going to be afraid of being attacked by a shark again, I needed to be afraid of pretty much everything else in my life. And so I, I decided not to do that. And and so one example is like last year, there were 66 people in the world who were attacked by a shark, what they call unprovoked shark attacks. Um, and there were 70 something people who died while taking a selfie. So if I'm going to be afraid of shark attacks, I like can't take selfies, right? Like it's like, th- there's like an extreme, <laughs> there's a really extreme level and like extreme unlikelihood that I like, don't, I don't fear it because then I would have to fear everything else, you know, way more likely things are dying in a car accident or an airplane, or even being struck by lightning is like four times more likely. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to live my life in fear of everything. So therefore I can't live my life in fear of a shark attack.
2: I don't your selfies? I mean, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean
1: I did, I've always been uh, totally fascinated about the selfie deaths, um, not to make light of selfie deaths. but it's No.
2: Been, have you been to the um, Grand Canyon? I, yeah. I, I, I totally get it. I get it. <laughs> you're just like caught up in the vastness. The altitude's messing with your head. You're just getting close, trying to get that perfect shot. That's Thinking that. about the likes. I got to get the likes. I got to get the likes. And then you're going to ravine, and they're sending donkeys um, down after you.
1: I mean, David Bird...
2: Holy Hannah, that guy. Yeah, incredible.
1: He's 27. He's significantly more mature and evolved than I am. I mean, he, it just everything, I got off the phone and I'm like, where did this kid come from? Yeah. His level, it's a sense of self, it's maturity, it's gratitude, it's, you know, just a, and you get that it happened before the shark attack. I mean, this—that it's not just this happened to me and now I'm, you know, he is just, I mean, I think some people come out beyond their years and I was just blown away by him, blown away.
2: He's episode 13. If you want to start there, folks, it is also He's really a
1: good. good. And people part. loved that one. People, oh, there was so like good, a big
2: response. Well, he also has that thing. It's like, I can choose to yes. think about myself as very unlucky, or I can choose to think of myself as extremely lucky. Like I can choose to be like, man, that was unlucky that I got attacked by a shark. Or I can be like, I survived a shark attack. I'm the luckiest human alive. I have to keep living. And like, it's that a really good
1: that one went, like, viral with, I mean, I'm saying viral. I'm talking about under 10 people. Um, <laughs> viral with, like, the 12-year-old boy crowd. My yeah, friend- well,
2: he punches a shark, Kimmy. He punches <laughs> a shark in its shark mouth. That's <laughs> 10-year-old boy porn right there. i so, all friend, dream of that.
1: My friend was listening to it, and she was carpooling some kids to baseball. And I kept running into kids, like, in town. And they're like, man, Mrs. Cole." I listened to that David Bird episode and it was, and then like some kid with them I didn't know was like, oh, that was you? Yeah, that was great. I, yeah, my brother and I listened. <laughs> it's like all these little dudes listening to the, all the wiser David Bird. but there's like so many boys listen to that podcast. I'm like, I didn't even know kids listen to this thing.
2: How about stay positive? This one to me, you know, even before dealing with my own adversity, always felt a little dis, like just a little disingenuous or a little little like like stay positive. What is it? Just walk around with a smile on my face all the time. Or like, yeah,
1: it's an annoying one.
2: It's inactive is what it is. It's not, I need specifics. And so, I think Dan Brodsky in episode 31 um, sort of uh, talks about staying positive in a a more practical way. Let's listen to Dan.
0: I don't know that there was as big a change as there was confirmation of, of what I was doing. And when you have something in your life that you're this passionate about, and and you're that driven to excel and you're pushing yourself to become better at it every day. And the better you become, the more that you love it. And you've got a team that you just love doing it this with and it's a, a challenge together. And you've had the opportunity to do that. Once you've experienced that, you don't want to settle for anything else. And when I realized as badly as I was hurt, I still think I can do this, then there was no question as to what it was going to be. And if I couldn't do that... I would have tried to find something else that I was that passionate about because life is so fulfilling and has so much meaning and, and reward when you're doing those kinds of things that you don't want to settle for a life that's less.
1: About what was your life? wife's advice? Yeah. Were you guys, you know, are, are you going to stop pursuing your passions? Are you going to stop living and growing in and, and the ways that you do um, with your pro- professional passions? Because they can, you know, fill you up in a real meaningful way, I think.
2: I think this saying should go from stay positive to stay passionate because uh, Dan went through a pretty serious crash there, right? Is that what?
1: Uh, yeah, so he, sur- right. he survived a, a, a plane crash where, you know, more than half of those on the flight lost their lives and um, was a competitive skydiver, you know, told he should never skydive again and was, was, back in a plane jumping you know within months of leaving the hospital safely found a new way but what he speaks to is he went back to his passion and had he not truly been able to go he would have found something that that lit him up as much as skydiving did because that passion piece was so integral to him having a full life and after the accident he needed that more than ever
2: he, did doctors refresh my memory? Were they like, don't, you can't do I I remember there was one doctor that was like, no, you, there's no skydiving anymore after this. This is not going to Yeah. Happen. So,
1: yeah, I think it was <laughs> another theme in all of this is like, um how careful doctors need to choose their words because you hear many people say doctors told them you're never going to walk again. There's no hope there's, and another doctor comes in and says, you know, you know, I believe in you, we'll find a way, we'll find a... And so um, there, there was a lot of that. It was really yeah.
2: interesting. Yeah. Kimmy, we, should we uh, complete this interview and you immediately get a call about some other life tragedy about to befall Kimmy Culp? I hope it doesn't happen. But should that happen... Is there a first phone call to one of your? Which one of your guests, I guess, do you call first for that sort of rewiring and that um, that that sort of game planning for the next uh, chapter of your life? Who who would you who would you call on? Oh, you can only call Zach. one. I Zach, know.
1: Zach, you are good. You are good. <sighs> You're Barbara Walters. You're much younger.
2: Um, I'll take it.
1: And a man. Um, uh, I would say, uh, m- yeah, Maya um, would be for sure. Stacy Lannard, I was really impressed by her. I mean, yeah. her story is crazy and she's a really rad person. What's um, Stacey's story again? She grew up abused by her father from the time she was like four and actually ended up taking his life and then was sent to prison. She was sexually abused by her father and then was sent to prison as a teenager. And then she, um, they exonerated her. She came out, um, graduated number two in her class of law school and is now um, a public defender. Um, I think B.J. Miller is like so fascinating and like, Uh, You know, if there's ever an end of life thing that I'm dealing with for, for anyone that I know, that's good that I'm going to track him down and stalk him. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, there's so many great ones, but Maya
2: came to my heart first. For sure. And you're walking with her next week too. So you had to say Maya. Yeah, I She would have been upset. That would have been awkward. Yeah. Do you have a nickname for your fans? Is there? Do they call themselves anything? It's always the telltale sign of a good podcast, of, of a of a of a of a popular podcast. And yours certainly has the subscribers for it. Do they refer to themselves as anything?
1: Uh, we should put that. I mean, I would really feel like I was, you know, on track if my, if I had like, you know, a, can I
2: workshop a couple? You know,
1: yeah. Can, can uh, yeah, i throw
2: some at you. Okay, yeah, it, if you do don't, it. if you don't have any.
1: Yes. No, I don't. I mean, this is it's okay. all starting now. Yeah.
2: Okay. There's Kimmy's kids. Uh-huh. It's not great. It's not great. No, not good wise guys but that's a little like. gendered wise yep. guys liked. okay my number one though i think i'm going with culpables <laughs> i think we may have a winner i think we might have something here culpables yeah. yeah fans of yeah i don't know we'll see um we do a little thing here at the pod spotter Go ahead as no one is listening. We do go ahead and no no one is listening. It's a moment where uh, you can share a secret or tell someone off or tell off a boss or just whatever to recite some poetry, do whatever you want. But Kimmy, I do that because it's based on the idea that no one listens to the last five minutes of podcasts, that everyone is already gone Mm -hmm. and they've finished their uh, blue apron and their jog and they're not listening anymore. So you can do whatever you want. However, I listened to every one of your episodes start to finish. So okay. you blew that theory out of the water. So we're not going to do that today. Okay. You've ruined a segment on our show. Okay. And so you know what I'm going to do. You know okay. what segment I'm going
1: to do. I know. Do. That's what I said. I know what you're going to do. Yeah. What, what am I going to do? Rapid
2: fire. Oh, baby. <laughs> still a little rapid fire if you're a fan of all the ones. i was
1: gonna talk about my unibrow and my grooming habits but
2: <laughs> oh, i love that see that, i just love talking to you so i'm gonna do uh that anyway at the end of this we'll do a little moment of go ahead no one is listening
1: no no, no that's we'll fine i don't know why i just inserted myself back into that horrible
2: because yeah. you're a your host you're a your podcast host <laughs> what you do this is uh rapid fire with Kimmy Cole. are you ready ready all-time favorite podcast. Can't say Richard Simmons. <sighs> Don't say the Podspotter because it's going to be awkward because I know you're lying because you haven't...
1: That's better. To uh, all-time favorite podcast. Um, I love a podcast
2: called The Feel Good Effect. Worst way to die?
1: <sighs> trapped anywhere. I'm trapped in a box. Buried alive underground.
2: Best TV show of all time? Uh, narcos. All the Wiser will be a success when...
1: Uh, All the Wiser will be a success when it feels whole and complete.
2: Favorite teacher growing up?
1: Miss Allard, for sure.
2: I can't stand people who?
1: Lack, deeply lack (laughs) (laughs) self-awareness.
2: If I could relive one childhood memory, it would be?
1: Oh, that's a good one. If I could relive. I remember being the boardwalk at Rehoboth Beach, like like, I don't know. Just feels nostalgic. Lots of like taffy and cheap rides.
2: Mine was also on a boardwalk in New Jersey. (laughs) What is it about that? I don't know. The whimsy. It must be the whimsy and the family and the beach. Yeah. The worst part about living in LA is
1: um lack of forehead expressions.
2: Which leads perfectly to your eyebrow grooming because no one is listening.
1: I mean, it's much better. I could post some pictures from high school before I understood that like waxing was an option. But yeah, it's just this light skin, dark hair combo and it Mm. just requires a lot of work um, that sometimes is not available during a global pandemic. So yeah, I mean, if I wasn't on top of it, it would look like there was like a Sharpie
2: kind of situation wow so you're in it i mean i'm i mean it's not that
1: bad i'm I'm being a little bit dramatic but yes it's it's like to be tended to
2: it looks great by the way no one here would notice no one watching this would notice my haircut is i describe it as like you know like whisper down the alley it starts out like with a good sentence and then that sentence like it's morphed i'm still cutting my own hair Mm -hmm. so it's like started as a good haircut and but like slowly each time i do it it's getting. Uh, I can't even show you the business back here. Thank God for the, we're doing fine. I do
1: have a moment just to let it go so I can release it into the world. When I was a desk assistant at NBC News in Washington, the tape intake guy, when we used to record tapes for nightly news, was frustrated at me and threw a beta tape at my head while I was logging and uh, it hit me in the eye. His name was Jim. So I would like to just vent and ask (laughs) him for an apology.
2: There's so much to back here. First of all, Jim's not listening. No one is listening. He's never going to hear this. No one is ever going to hear this. Jim, with the beta tape, bro, threw it at your head? Why did he think that was an acceptable move?
1: Jim had anger management issues. Oh, he was known.
2: He was a known offender of throwing things. So he you were kind of stirring the her- the hornet's nest a little bit here with this. Yeah, you I can't even it.
1: remember. But there was a beta tape thrown at my head by Jim. That he He worked in a basement with no natural light in the tape library, so I get it. But um, yes, he threw a beta tape at my head. That's an accurate story.
2: Really brutal, Jim. Uh, I hope you are listening and I hope you apologize. You're a strong-willed person. I, I kind of feel like you kind of, you you went in there. I you worked were wet. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fine, 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 uh, I'm going to use my moment of no one listening to see if someone is listening. My brother-in-law, Alan, says that he's been listening and I sneaky believe that he just listens to like a couple like choice moments and then yep. he's like, hey, that was really interesting, that thing, and then this other thing. So I'm going to use mine to give a, a password to Alan. And if you text me this, then I'll know that you're actually listening. This is how bad my ego is. I want to know that everyone that says they're listening is listening. Yeah. And the password is um it's culpables. Text <laughs> me culpables if you're really listening. You lying son of a I mean that's all the time we have for right. Hotspotter. This is a true pleasure. Um, all right,
1: it's a pleasure. And I'm gonna be th- be thinking of, of you and your wife and your family.
2: Thank you. And I'll be listening for more modalities of healing and recovery because it's important.
1: All right. Thank you, Zach.
2: Thank you. Guys, subscribe, like, do all the things you do to podcasts, leave uh, reviews, all that stuff, All The Wiser. Go give it a listen.
1: If you made it this far, thank you for listening to my conversation with Zach. And for those of you who have not yet subscribed, I want to tell you about our All The Wiser newsletter. Every other week, we let you know when a new episode has dropped, Share some personal and behind-the-scenes stories with you and recommendations for books, movies, other podcasts, and articles. If you would like a dose of inspiration in your inbox, you can head on over to allthewiserpodcast.com and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and I strongly encourage you to go check out Podspotter now. All the Wiser is produced by Erica Gerrard at Podkit Productions. Our sound engineer is Kelly Cremerek, and our associate producer is Kessie Hollister. Thanks for being a part of the All the Wiser podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, read our show notes, or get in touch with us at allthewiserpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at All the Wiser Podcast. Send us a note. We would love to hear from you. And as always, thanks for listening.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today.